Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today, which is March 13th, 2019. Our guest today is Dr. Selena Nadelman, and we're going to be talking about what exactly a pathologist does. Uh, Nadelman specializes in two distinct complementary medical practices. Uh, She's both a board-certified cytopathologist and a clinician who performs fine needle aspiration of superficial masses. Her background is that she attended the Keck School of Medicine at the University of Southern California. Then she started her medical training in internal medicine at the VA UCLA. She also did a fellowship at USC in wound healing. Her residency was with UCLA and um, She also did um, a cytopathology fellowship where she built a strong clinical background from her previous training in internal medicine. She is the founder and the laboratory director of precision aspiration and biopsy in Beverly Hills. And she does practice the most advanced FN to do. We shall bring her on our show and we will discuss pathology. Dr. Nadelman? Dr. Nadelman, can you hear me? Hello, Dr. Hello? Nadelman. How are you today? Good. Thank you. How are you? Good. Well, we've we've already done our introduction on your background and all. And uh, so we'll just get right into the show. Thank Why you. Why don't you tell us how did you get on the path that you're on today? When did it, where did it all start? Well, it started really with a family friend who happened to be a pathologist. Um, I was actually doing something else in medicine. I was in internal medicine mm-hmm. and um, I didn't really like it. I, 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 I liked, you know, I actually really liked pathology in, in medical school. But when I was okay. going to medical school, um, at the time, there was a big uh, push towards everybody who was graduating to go into a primary care field and not into a specialized field of pathology, like pathology. So everybody okay. was going into either family practice or internal medicine. So that was kind of where I went. I went into internal medicine and didn't really think that pathology was a place that I could actually, you know, go into. Make I a just difference. thought it was a nice, yeah, well, I just thought that it was 
not feasible to practice because everybody was going into primary care. And okay. um, I really liked, I liked it as a student, but didn't think of it as actually a profession for me mm-hmm. at the time. And then when I was deciding that I didn't really like doing internal medicine, mm-hmm. um, this family friend who is a re- was a renowned pathologist and, you know, wrote many books on how to be, you know, chief of pathology and was one of the presidents of the American, you know, pathology association and all this. He said, why don't you try pathology? And so I did and I loved it. So hmm. it was the right fit. Interesting, isn't it? Where we end up? Yes, it is. It is interesting. It did is. you always, did you know as a teenager that you wanted to be in the medical profession or is it something you realized when you were in college? I actually realized it afterwards. After you I graduated? Thought that I was after I graduated, yes. Hmm. Uh, so I always tell younger people who are going into whatever, you know, field that they're going into that nothing is written in stone and that you could always mm-hmm. change your mind. And people come into the professions, not always, you know, af- right after, you know, a set, you know, uh, sure. uh, system. Uh, so I, I came in, I, I matriculated in medical school four years after I had graduated from my undergraduate Mm. Well, that's not too long afterwards, really. No, no. I thought I would go into neuroscience, actually. So I thought Ah. I was going to be headed towards a PhD. Mm. And then I worked in the field of neuroscience, and it wasn't really, you know, it's it's something that's, uh, it was intellectually stimulating, but it wasn't actually Mm -hmm. what I wanted to be doing. Yeah. And so well, you're very fortunate that you were able to, you know, experiment and try different things in the field of medicine. And then yes. to actually find your passion is just so special. Yes, it is. And I, and and I do encourage people to find their passion. Yeah, yeah. and, and you're spending you've a really, lot of your, your day. <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> uh, more like your life. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, and, and you've really um, taken your passion to a whole, a whole different level, haven't you? Yes, I have. Uh, you know, part of um, pathology, which is, you know, the, the study of diseases, um, it kind of encompasses everything. We're, we're uh, known as the doctor's doctor, so we're, we need to know everything about medicine in all different fields. We're not just the laboratory, but we're also dealing with uh, surgical specimens. We're dealing with all sorts of different situations, blood banking, all that is part of um, pathology training and mm-hmm. in the united states it's there's you know anatomic and clinical pathology whereas in europe and other countries it's actually uh, differentiated and usually pathologists study one or the other uh hmm. but here in the states we 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 study both so we're, we kind of know everything about the different parts of medical fields and mm-hmm. um and then we're the ones that the doctors turn to when they want mm-hmm. to know the answers, whether it's a laboratory result or whether they, you know, take out a tumor and want to know what the tumor is, et cetera. Or, you is know, that, most famously that, what people... Is that where your fine ahead. needle aspiration comes into play? With the yes, tumors? actually. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was in medical school, I actually really enjoyed my surgical rotation. So I really like working with my hands. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then again, in internal medicine, I, I like that, you know, face-to-face um, uh, relationship that you have with the patient. You can talk to them and ask them what, um, what problems they have, and you can kind of help formulate an idea as to what it is that's ailing them. And in, in uh, pathology, you rarely actually meet your patients unless you're doing forensics and they're already, mm-hmm. you know, dead and mm-hmm. so you're doing that. Mm-hmm. In, in fine needle aspiration, you're able to actually perform the biopsy a- and speak to the patient um, and then also get the answers. So mm-hmm. on one hand, when you're an internist or when you're a surgeon and you do the biopsy, you're only on one side of the problem. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. a mystery novel, right? So you're only on the mm-hmm. beginning. And then you send in the material to the laboratory and you wait for the pathologist to render a diagnosis. And you wait and wait and wonder why it's taking so long. Um, mm-hmm. And then the pathologist is the one who gives the doctor the answer and then the doctor tells the patient. So with my fine needle aspiration uh, clinic, I'm able to be kind of like a one-stop shop. I'm able to see the patient, talk to them, look at their uh, lesion or mass lump, um, feel it, see what it looks like, see what it looks like under ultrasound. And then I'm able to do the biopsy. And that also, like when you're actually doing the biopsy, there's a feel to the biopsy. Is it, is it smooth? Is, it, is there resistance? Is there anything like that? And then the smearing of the slides, as a pathologist, I know how to prepare the slides for optimal processing. A lot of times what mm-hmm. happens is other people who perform fine needle aspirations don't quite understand what it takes to make a, uh, a smear or a slide diagnostic. A lot of times they oh. think the bigger the needle, yes, a lot of times they, they think the bigger the needle, the better it is because they get more material. But really what you're trying to get is very small, um, you know, a red blood cell is between four to seven microns and maybe let's say mm-hmm. a, 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 you know, a cell that you're interested in is a little bit larger than a red blood cell. So it's about between seven and 30 microns. It's still much, much smaller than the diameter of a very small gauge needle. Mm-hmm. So the needles mm-hmm. that I use are much smaller than, you know, it's smaller than you actually use to draw blood with. You know, you draw blood with with maybe a 23-gauge needle. I use usually between a 27 and a 25-gauge needle. So these are very small or thin needles, and it's similar to pushing a, a straw into sand. So I'm, I'm, I'm creating little tiny core biopsies, like little, little tiny cores. And, the, and as you push the straw into sand, you're getting the sand up the straw. So that sand core, or if I'm pushing the needle through mm-hmm. the mass, I'm getting cells that are, that are sliding up the needle, and they're tiny, right? So then you can just well, expel them onto the slide. Well, I assume that you can probably cover most of the tumor that way because you're taking samplings, samplings from different areas within that tumor. Yes. Exactly. So mm. what's important also is um, an understanding of the, not just the anatomy, but what, what we call the differential diagnosis of, you know, the presentation of that tumor. So if you see someone with, let's say, I see a lot of people with um, neck lumps and you say, well, the thyroid is there. And then you see under ultrasound that it's actually within the thyroid. You say, okay, well, 
this thyroid lump could be XYZ. It could be a goiter. Mm -hmm. It could be just a plain, you know, goiter, or it could be, you know, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, Mm -hmm. which is also benign, or it could be the most common cancer, which is papillary carcinoma. But also understanding how papillary carcinoma, as a pathologist, like I know what it looks like under the slide, like when you actually cut a piece of tissue of the thyroid, let's say if the person were to have their thyroid removed, I understand as a pathologist that thyroid cancer is not just in one little area, but it can be in different areas. And it also doesn't just, you know, uh, pop up. It starts normal and then becomes atypical and it becomes abnormal and then it becomes frank cancer. So there's a range and it's important to be able to biopsy different areas of that nodule, let's say, Mm -hmm. and make sure that you are actually touching each part of that nodule instead of just passing the needle once in one direction. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. what happens is a lot of doctors who are not pathologists don't understand really what tumors look like and how they Mm -hmm. evolve. Mm -hmm. You know, they kind kind of understand. And if they're a surgeon, they know what it looks like when they cut it out but they don't know what it looks like microscopically. Let me ask you this. How often do you come up with a, diagno- um, a, a diagnosis that's different from what, say, a surgical team might come up with as a result of your pathology? You mean if another person is doing it? Like, let's say, no, in other words, a lot of times, um, you know, doctors... And, and surgeons will confer with one another and they come up with a, di- a diagnosis for a patient. But then once they actually get some pathology for you to examine, um, how often do you come up with maybe a different, a different take on what they think it might be? Yeah, so they would never say, um, I think this is X without ever okay. getting pathology on it. Uh, they would say, I think it could be X, Y, Z, and X mm-hmm. is at the top of my list. Mm-hmm. Um, it, most of the time, you know, it's, it is what you think it is. Um, okay. You know, a horse is a horse. It's very rarely a zebra yeah. or a unicorn. Um, mm-hmm. But there are cases and I've had them where let's say someone comes with a rapidly expanding mass in the thyroid and they think that it's Mm -hmm. really bad thyroid cancer. And as a pathologist and because I am a cytopathologist, which I know how to look under the microscope immediately at the slide um, right then and there while the patient is waiting, I was able to see that it wasn't thyroid in origin at all and that it was actually lymphoid. So it looked like a possible lymphoma. So I was able to send the material instead mm-hmm. to specialized tests to confirm that it was a lymphoma. See, I had a hunch that it was not thyroid and that it was lymphoma mm-hmm. that was the tumor. So the patient was diagnosed with a lymphoma, and instead of having to go for surgery, the patient went directly to the oncologist and was being treated with chemotherapy. So the patient avoided uh, surgery altogether. Mm-hmm. So if he had seen the Excellent. surgeon then the surgeon would have had to cut it. The patient would have had surgery and uh-huh. likely would have put it in formalin, which is the incorrect thing to do on a, on a lymphoma workup because he would have never thought that it would be lymphoma. Mm. 
Mm. And then the lymphoma people, the people, the uh, hematopathologist would Mm -hmm. say, I'm sorry, we kind of think it's this, but you need to, you need to lost sent it. In the meantime, they would have lost their thyroid. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, boy. Sometimes it's the luck of the draw who, you know, as a patient who you end up with as your, your doctors and your pathologists, you know? Yes, it is. But there aren't that many uh, FNA specialists like me. There's about a dozen um, standalone pathologist run FNA clinics. Um, oh. so most people, yeah, most people are getting fine needle aspiration biopsies by either endocrinologists, if it's a thyroid nodule, by an ENT, if it happens to be in the head and neck, uh-huh. or by general surgeons, if it happens to be somewhere like the breast or a lymph node or a, mm-hmm. a, a mass, you know, general surgeons like, you know, lipomas or other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't really, they, they, they're doing it and they just send it off to the lab and hope that the lab has enough material or hope that the material isn't, you know, compromised in any way because also the way you do the biopsy, the way you smear the slides, the way you fix the the slides also impacts on how well you can make a diagnosis. Wow. To the pathologist. Do you train others? Um, I do teach cytotechnologists. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't really train other pathologists because that's not, um, that's not in my purview, but I, I do teach um, cytotechnologists how to, you know, look for cancer, what it looks like. I, I, I teach at UCLA and I did uh, teach um, the USC students when I was um, uh, on staff there, but not particularly mm-hmm. um, ultrasound guided biopsies. I taught them FNA in general and how to make a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I find so. it quite fascinating Cause, because yes, really what you do is very important to be accurate. I mean, it's like crucial to the yes, outcome. Yes. The problem, you know, it, it can be very frustrating, not only for the patient, but also for the, for the referring doctor. A lot of times they feel that pathology, you know, that all we want is, you know, more and more tissue, but in reality, it, it doesn't get to us in the most perfect form. It's sometimes, mm-hmm bloody or it's thick or it's degraded or air dried or it t- contains other artifacts that, that actually could be prevented at the outset. And, and these kind of interfere with an accurate diagnosis. So sometimes it's really not the fault of the pathologist. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, there's variability in pathologists, you know, just like there's variability in any doctor, but if sure. it's not, if, you know, if, if the actual specimen is not, um, in kind of pristine, uh, like, uh, uh, presentation, then it makes it all the more difficult for a pathologist to make a diagnosis. Mm. You know, when I was in the hospital and I would read other people's fine needle aspirations, it was oftentimes I would get, let's say, 40 bloody smears for just one nodule. It really shouldn't be that way. And then you're, oh. you know, you, you can't, like I, you know. Well, who does the make actual a diagnosis. smearing? Well, that's the thing. I don't know. I mean, sometimes oh. it's the it's an mm. operator, and sometimes it's their nurse, or sometimes there's a tech with them. Oh. I, I don't know. It depends on oh. who was there. 
Interesting. And so, so they don't, people don't quite understand that there's a lot of things, not only getting, you know, the history and physical of the patient, you know, if mm-hmm. you're a, a regular physician and this is your patient and you know the patient very well, well, that's one thing, but it also takes skill in not only performing the biopsy, but also um, preparing the specimen, the biopsy specimen, mm-hmm. and uh, making sure that it's prepared well. You know? Yeah, yeah. And well, by you know, being both the operator and the analyzer, uh-huh. a lot can be gained from this like synergistic way of doing fine needle aspiration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, in the hospital, as a pathologist, we often just get on a piece of paper, you know, 34-year-old female with a history of, you know, multinodular goiter and nothing else. We don't know anything mm-hmm. else. But when the patient comes to see me, I see them like their regular doctor. I talk to them. I do a mini history and physical. I get to know whether they've had exposure history. And there are things that, you know, help me with the differential diagnosis. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. they say, oh, it was, you know, it came, it popped up yesterday after I was doing jumping jacks. Or they could say, you know, it doesn't hurt. Or, oh, yeah, I had a cold and now I have this lump and it hurts. So this, these give me information that helps me make a better diagnosis later, a more accurate diagnosis. Yeah. I I know at a personal experience dealing with a pathologist at, say, a local hospital, when it was mm-hmm. um, a, a, like a cancer diagnosis, uh, when, when I posed the question to that particular department head, are you, do you have somebody that is um, an expert in this specific type of cancer? And the response back was, no, not really. So I then had those slides sent to a facility that yeah that w- they had the experts there so that the diagnosis could be um more accurate because it was very very yes. important at that time yes. and indeed yes, of course. it did it and indeed it did come back different yes and sometimes so, it does yeah yeah and so i think i i think for 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 people to know that you know, just because you ha- might be in a hospital setting and your tissue ends up in the hospital's pathology, if you have any yeah. inkling of what it possibly might be, that you really in seek a place that has opinion. the yeah, second opinion. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oftentimes, because I I operate in an independent mm-hmm. laboratory and there are many university hospitals around me, uh, uh-huh. or academic institutions around me, so patients who come to see me for a fine needle aspiration often go and have surgery at an academic institution. There are many mm-hmm. around, very high-level sure. academic institutions. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I am happy to send my slides. In fact, it should be done. My slides should be sent to that department's, um, I mean, to that institution's uh, mm-hmm. pathology department for them to review before they undergo surgery. There you go. I have there no, you go. I, I, they, I'm happy to have a second opinion because I would hate mm-hmm. for the patient to undergo surgery without, you know, uh, and it be wrong. You know, that's the worst thing. Right. You, want, you don't right. want to have someone go undergo unnecessary surgery and at the same time 
you don't want someone to undergo, you know, go without surgery if they have, or, you know, or take care of what they need mm-hmm. to take care of mm-hmm. if they do have a malignancy. Exactly. Exactly. So it can be so complex. I don't have, it can be complex. And sometimes mm-hmm. there's a difference of opinions. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes it goes to a third pathologist. Wow. Um, and um, it, 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 you know, it, it is, it's, it's an art and a science, you know, it's, 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 it's sometimes th- some things are quite subtle, especially mm-hmm. in the world of cytology, of cytopathology. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not as um, maybe not as easy or cut and dry as surgical, regular anatomic surgical pathology. Like when you cut mm-hmm. out a big chunk of tissue. Oh, jeez. So, um, but, <laughs> really... but, you know, most of my cases, I would say um, close to 100% of my cases um, correlate, which means that mm-hmm. I say it should, the whole point of having a fine needle aspiration in my mind is to triage the patient into a medically or into a surgical candidate. So is this patient having, are they going to have surgery because of what I see? Now, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that they necessarily have cancer, but it's at the point where it needs to be looked at by certain, you know, surgically. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the second reason to have it, and that's kind of like the icing on the cake, is to get a specific diagnosis. So sometimes like with um, head and neck tumors or salivary gland tumors, Uh, Mm -hmm. You may not be able to say specifically what it is, but you'll say, I think that this is neoplastic, meaning that it is a clone, a tumor, and not Mm -hmm. just inflammation. And I think it needs to be taken out. However, I don't think that it's a high-grade tumor. I don't think that it's that dangerous. But the patient still needs to have surgery. So you may say, you know, know, consistent with a low-grade salivary gland neoplasm, recommend excision for definitive diagnosis. So you, you're, 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 you know, you, you think that it's once the patient has it taken out that basically they're cured. You know, they don't really, you know, they don't have cancer. And there are tumors out there that just grow, and it's mm-hmm. better to ha- take them out uh, while they're small, similar to like mm-hmm. fibroids in the uterus. Mm-hmm. They're not malignant, but they are tumors, and they need to be taken out. So mm-hmm. not all things that need to be taken out are cancerous. And, um, you know, sometimes the FNA helps direct the referring doctor on what to do. Can they just wait and look now, at it under ultrasound? No, let me yeah. ask you this. Um, in, a, in an FNA um, mm-hmm. relative to a tumor that is cancerous, mm-hmm. does that spread it? No. So a lot of people think that is it does. No. Um there are certain things that should not be uh, uh, biopsied, fine needle aspiration biopsied. And that's, that's a tumor of the spinal cord because of that risk of spreading. And you shouldn't really do an FNA of the testicle of the testes because you, there's, I mean, there's ways of doing a surgical like a wedge biopsy, but FNAs mm-hmm. are usually avoided because it can render, basically it causes an autoimmune response to the testes and can make it die. 
So FNAs wow. are usually not done of the testicle, and they're not done of chordomas, mm-hmm. and generally they're not done of carotid body tumors because uh, that the carotid body is responsible for your blood pressure. So you where would that uh, where would that tumor be? Where would a carotid, carotid body tumor the, be located? It's at the, it's at the bifurcation of the carotid artery in the neck. Oh, okay, okay, artery in the neck, okay. So well, the carotid I'm body glad that I asked you that question. For, yeah, but most yeah, other really. tumors are I have no risk of spreading. Not even in the breast. Not even the breast. Oh, huh. interesting. What you're doing is very small. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what yeah. happens is there's not really, they don't like go along a track, along your needle track mm-hmm. in the same way. They, they have, mm-hmm. um, you know, most tumors have like, um, like sonars, you know, they, 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 certain things make them move in a different direction and not mm-hmm. the needle track. Mm-hmm. So just so I can make it clear to my listeners, uh, an FNA is different from an actual biopsy of, say, a tumor. So, a, so there, there are two types of biopsies that we're talking about, or actually three. Um, a biopsy just means that you're getting a piece of tissue to be right. able to be analyzed by the laboratory or the pathologist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A fine needle aspiration is the smallest or thinnest form of a biopsy. Okay. A core needle biopsy is a larger needle biopsy. Okay. So if you do a fine needle aspiration, you can't see the tissue. You may see the blood that goes along with the tissue. You may see yeah. maybe some like liquid of some sort, but you can't mm-hmm. see the tissue. When you do a core needle biopsy, it looks like a little worm. So you can actually, okay. with, your, with your eye, look at it, and it looks a very thin you know, thread or okay. worm. Of tissue, okay. and that's not really spread on a slide. It's actually processed, like as if you were to take out the entire tissue. It's a different okay. processing me- method. And then surgical biopsy is an actual cut in the tissue. So okay. let's say you were to have a mole, or like you know you had a mole, and your doctor mm-hmm. wanted to look at it, they would cut it out, take a little tiny chunk, and that's a surgical biopsy. Okay. And gotcha. sometimes they need to sew it up. They need mm-hmm. sutures. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they can just zap it with with a hyphrocator and you know stop the bleeding. But most of the time, mm-hmm. a surgical biopsy is an actual cut. It's a little bit more extensive in in the terms of the setup and the anesthesia and the you know all, all everything all around, and mm-hmm. usually needs to have stitches or sutures afterwards. Would an FNA be sufficient for a blood assay test? Let's say, for instance, um, in the case of, of cancer, uh, suppose somebody has like a blood cancer and they want to find out what chemo, chemo drugs might, might work against those specific cells rather than getting the so, actual, um, it, w- it would be, well, it would be circulating in the blood if it was a blood cancer, no, but if it's a tumor, would that work? Right. So, um, uh, you're talking blood about blood, blood cancer. Yeah, well, so we're talking about different things. So circulating yeah, let's not do the blood one. one. Yeah. 
Yeah. Let's not no, do the blood so there one. Let's thing, do the there's something tumor. called circulating tumor cells, and they're working exactly. on that, and they're getting exactly. they're getting better and better at this. And this, yes, it's not quite worked out. Like if you have colon right. cancer, which is a a cancer, mm-hmm. uh, they, you know, they're trying to see if they can pick up circulating tumor cells from a colon cancer. Mm-hmm. I I don't think it's been perfected quite yet for okay um, widespread usage. They are using things like, um, you know, when you do cancer screening, they have the, uh, I think, you know, I don't know what Cologuard is, but I'm assuming they're using uh, whatever material or genetic material that's being sloughed off in your, in, in the way, in your waste. And they use that, that molecular material to see if there's cancer in it, but it's not the same as circulating tumor cells, which is in your blood that that they're they're trying to figure out. It's not quite worked out. Right, but, it's from your stem cells, yeah. Well, not stem cells. Just no, but but the circulating tumor cells, tumor cells they, they originate from your stem cells and your bone marrow, correct? I mean, that's where mm, most cancer no. originates no. from is your is your stem cells? No, no. So No? Because um, that's no. what I've been told. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> yeah, because we're mixing up. So there are different cancers and different like um, categories of cancer. So there's cancer or carcinoma and those come from like organs. And then there's things that come from like nerve, neuroectoderm, nerve kind of cancers. Right. Right. um, So there's, there are cancers that come from like the, like primordial or like um, embryonic um, layers, um, um, you know, ectoderm, mesoderm, endoderm. And these, okay. these, these uh, embryonic layers can, when they differentiate into the organs themselves, that's where the cancers come from. But they sometimes revert back to their embryonic kind of state. And okay. that's how sometimes when a cancer becomes unrecognizable, that's uh-huh. how we can kind of look at it. But now more and more in pathology, we're using ways to identify cancers in smaller and smaller ways. So originally, you'd have to cut out the entire thing, and you'd have to look at it and compare it and see whether it looked like it. Now, then they have things called immunohistochemical stains, which use antibodies that um, attach and give a color on the slide. And sure. then say, oh, this comes from this part of the body. Okay. And now they're able to take a piece of tissue and they mm-hmm. can look at the microscopic level of, of its genetic sequencing and see whether that is in line with the particular cancer to be able sure. to identify it. And that's a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're talking about blood cancers, usually blood cancers are picked up on um, – like your blood tests, and then sure. they usually have to do a bone marrow to see if it's also within the bone marrow. It's part of the staging. Now, there's another form of kind of blood cancer or lymph node cancer called lymphomas, and those sure. don't always go into the blood, so you can't pick it up on a normal blood test. You actually have oh, to do a fine okay. aspiration or an FNA of the lymph node. Okay. So if you have a lymph node biopsy, if you have a big lymph node and you're worried that it could be malignant, like a lymphoma, mm-hmm. it won't necessarily be in the bloodstream. Oh, okay. Unless it's widespread, 
it's in a, it's a mm-hmm. totally different stage. If it's a, caught at an earlier stage, then it it won't most likely won't be in the bloodstream. Hmm. Well, it's so. just um, I, I've just been educated, you know, recently on how every cancer comes from your stem cells. <laughs> well, uh, like come from they not originate necessarily there. Well, and then they spread throughout the body, and they happen to land in specific areas in the body. Not quite. If you're talking not about, quite. not quite. Yeah, they come from an uh, like a embryological state sometimes, but mm-hmm. usually cancers come from the organ that it's coming from, unless you're talking about these leukemia lymphoid type of cancers. Yes. So blood because it's the DNA that goes haywire, correct? The RNA or right. the DNA that breaks down. The DNA goes haywire. Yes. Yeah, and that's a, a gen- that you know you're getting into genetics again, your genes. Right. Usually, I mean, mm-hmm. there's different different reasons why, and that's why people say, do you have a family history of something? Because sometimes mm-hmm. within your genetic code, you have a predisposition towards a cancer, and there's right. something external that kind of hits your DNA and messes with it, and then makes it go haywire. Mm-hmm, so sometimes mm-hmm. there's what's called a two-hit hypothesis, where things, you have kind of a predisposition, and then, and then, it, and then it gets um, hit with something, and it goes haywire. Other things, mm-hmm. like there are external forces, like radiation. Sure. Uh, people who um, suffered, you know, radiation exposure, either because they had something else, like they, they used to radiate mm-hmm. kids when they had acne, or, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, uh, people who were, you know, near nuclear plants, many years later, they get thyroid cancer because mm-hmm. that's a known carcinogen and um, it can cause thyroid cancer. So it's an important question to ask your patient, have they been exposed to radiation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when you're mm-hmm. looking at a thyroid? Are you seeing more and more instances of cancer than ever before? I think the statistics now are kind of scary. <laughs> it used to be like one out of every eight. Now I think it's down to one out of every three, just because we have so many pollutants, you know? Um, well, you know, the problem is, is, yeah, it's tough, but it's hard to tell. These are kind of what we call confounding variables. It's hard to yeah. tell because... Now we have better and better modalities to pick up things that are smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm, and our, mm-hmm. our machines, our CT scans, our MRIs, our ultrasound machines are just getting better and better. So we can see things better and better. So maybe we're yeah. picking them up earlier. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and again, people are living longer, aren't they? They are living longer. And so there's more time for things mm-hmm. to go. To, to um, develop these funny. things. Yeah. Yes, to develop. Sure, yeah. sure. Our I bodies mean, don't stay we, whole. Yeah. <laughs> Our entire, yes, you know, I yes. mean, if you're getting into your 80s, you know, things are going to start right. breaking exactly. down. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh. But as with, with, with thyroid nodules, there are more and more thyroid nodules being discovered and more thyroid cancers being discovered, like the, the rate is, is, you know, on an upward trend in the no last kidding. 10 years. However... Oh the death rate from thyroid cancer has stayed the same, which means that thyroid cancer, the most common thyroid cancer, is actually not lethal. 
Mm-hmm. But we're just discovering more of them at earlier stages. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Huh. You know, well, I we wish we had people come. I wish we had more yeah. time. You know, yeah. we only have like three minutes left. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to cover that perhaps we haven't discussed? Um, I think that uh, wherever someone goes to get a fine needle aspiration, uh, it's best to um, choose someone who, A, performs a lot of them. You okay. Know, they have that skill of, you know, like a surgeon. You know, if someone mm-hmm. has been doing uh, a procedure over and over again, they become highly skilled in that procedure. Mm-hmm. And two, that they understand the true purpose of an FNA. And that that a fine needle aspiration is actually fine um, unless you're using it for a cystic lesion and you want to evacuate the cyst. Mm-hmm. Um, they should really be using a fine needle because the, the cells are really very small. And, and having the least amount of blood means that it'll be cleaner and the pathologist will be able to read it. And if you have access to someone who can perform what's called ROSE, rapid on-site evaluation of the specimen, which means that there's a microscope right there at your bedside or in the next room, and they can tell what it is or if they have enough material. Oh, that's and that great. means that the patient doesn't have to go back. They have enough mm-hmm. material. A lot of times, oftentimes the patient has to come back because they've missed it or, or there's not enough or it's the wrong material or they didn't mm-hmm. put it in special medium for, let's say, a lymphoma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if they have access to someone, if, the, if they're, you know, the person has access to the pathologist in the pathology department who can give you rose, then that would be great. And then, you know, sadly, a lot of doctors don't understand that there is a lot of nuance in performing a fine needle aspiration. They don't quite understand that, um, that you, it's not just a skill like, you know, performing whatever procedure, but it's also understanding what the underlying causes and what it looks like and how something develops in the pathology of it. So I recommend whoever, you know, your patient, you know, whoever uh, the patients go Mm -hmm. to that they see that person is able to get diagnostic results and that they can have access to uh, a pathologist um, and, um, and, and, you know, it, it, when in doubt, ask questions. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. happy to answer questions whenever my patients ask me. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I really, I would like patients to be able to choose who they want to go to to get a fine needle aspiration. And, um, you know, currently, you know, when you need to get, let's say, a mammogram or a blood test, you know, patients get a prescription from their referring doctor and they can choose where they want to go. So I hope that in the future that more and more pathologist-run FNA centers will be available for patients to choose the highest level of care. No, excellent points. Just absolute excellent points. I thank you so much for taking time out of your crazy, crazy day. <laughs> and thank you, um, thank you so much. And coming coming on our show. <laughs> Um, My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much, Dr. Nadelman. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.
Okay, that wraps up our show for today. Thank you, listeners. We really do appreciate you. And we always have a great show for you. Uh, We had some tremendous learning moments today. So until next Wednesday, be good, be well. Bye-bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have. And follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit gotcancernowwhat.com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What?